0: and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord God will bless you in the, ha- in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as, a ho- as his holy people. Then all the peoples on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend money to nations but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Sounds good, doesn't it? I edited it though. I edited a little bit out of that. Because I like that part, but there's a little bit that goes right at the start of it and is threaded through it that I missed. And it goes a little bit like this. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands, I give you today these things. And then at the end it says, do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following after gods and serving them. Was anyone a little bit concerned when I was reading that and I didn't do the obey the Lord part? I, can, I could feel people pointing at me saying, you missed out the obedience part. You know, I missed it out because we love, I love the blessing and the favor and the provision of heaven. But the obedience part, it's tough, isn't it? And I want to talk a little bit about obedience today because you know, God's desire is that you would win, that you would be blessed, that you'd be saved, that you'd be healed, that you'd be delivered. You know, that you would lead kings and politicians, that you would influence, that you would be abundantly fulfilled. This is God's desire for your life. You've just got to look at the world. You know, you've got to, you've got to look at the adventure that creation presents us. You know, you look at the peace of Noosa and you look at the conquest or the adventure of Mount Everest. You know, you look at, you look at the harshness of the Sahara Desert and then you look at the beauty of the Victoria Falls. You know the, the the whole of creation is crying out that God is a God of abundance. He's a God of adventure. He's a God of blessing. He's a God of He's a God that takes us through seasons of dryness. So we can, when we see when we walk through the Sahara desert and we get to the other side and we see the Victoria Falls, we understand the provision of heaven. God wants you to live in a blessed and abundant life. The question is not though, how do I walk in the blessing of God. The question is this, how do I walk in the will of God? How do I walk in the assignment of God? See, God has favor for us. He has a, he has a blessing for us. And the favor of God is, is, an, is an attraction of God to you that releases an influence through you in the assignment that God gave you. See, God's got a job for us all to do. We become magnetic when we're in the will of God, we become magnetic to the goodness and the provision of God. Where's my proof? You know, Jesus says to some of his disciples, go into the city and ask a man for a cult and he will give it to you. You know, when, when you go on the assignment of God, he has prepared, the pre- prepared provision for you in that assignment. So when we walk in the will of God, there's provision and sustenance and, and abundance and wholeness in that as we actually step into his will. The key for us is to be like the Blues Brothers, to be on a mission from God. I encourage you to watch the Blues Brothers original, not the second one, the original. It's got the longest car chase with the most crashes. It's in the World World, uh, Guinness Book of Records. But we're on a mission from God, and when we're on a mission from God, we walk in the favour of God. And here's the other thing. Your assignment has got nothing to do with you. Here's the problem that we face, is we want the assignment to do with us. See, God's going to use you, but the assignment that he has you, for you has got nothing to do with you. So if you think your assignment is about you, it's, you're, you're not on assignment. See, God wants to, he wants to work through you and as he works through you, he will do a work in you. But your assignment is not about you. It's about something bigger. It's about influencing something else. See, the key is to learn obedience in the middle of the inconsistency, in the middle of the paradox, in the middle of the of when things are, seem out of whack. Because... When you understand that the assignment is not about you, your life can be a little bit damaged and beat up, but you can stay on assignment. And he wants us to understand that our purpose is to bless and to influence humanity with his goodness. And he says, as we do that, let me give you a a great scriptural example of that. You may have heard it before. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then he will take care of you. See, we want God to take care of us and then we'll take care of the kingdom, but he's actually called us to look at it slightly differently. He said, "Seek first what the kingdom of God." See, the kingdom of we are, we can be a part of the kingdom, but it is not us. He is your assignment. Is not you? Is not you? The Bible actually says obedience is better than sacrifice. So one of our major challenges in life is to learn obedience. It's a, it's a hard word, but you heard the blessing. When we, are, when we are obedient to God, his favor is rich and his provision is, is, is phenomenal and his, and his works are amazing through us. Hebrews said that even Jesus learned obedience. He learned it through his suffering. You know, I mentioned to you a few, a few months ago a, um, a nation that I am a citizen of and it's the nation of Suffolandria. And... Um, I want to read to you a little bit more about Suffolandria. You see, in the honour of the recent Noosa Triathlon, I think it's important that we discuss this great nation. So you've heard of treating yourself to a vacation. I challenge you today to mistreat yourself to a paincation (laughs) in Suffolandria. On the shores of the great inland lactic acid sea lies the proud, tortured nation of Suffolandria. We are a country that knows no borders, only lactate thresholds. Most of our citizens have only recently discovered their Suffolandrian lineage and were washed onto our shores by waves of sweat and the tears of their vanquished competitors. We warmly welcome tourists. Our landscape, like our populace, is rugged and varied. But we are a nation that is under siege. We are a people in exile. Suffalandria has weathered countless attempts, attempted invasions from our enemies to the north, the doughy, chisel-stained country of Couchlandria. <laughs> our populace has always held strong, but skirmishes forced many Suffalandrians to seek refuge abroad in Couchlandria. It's an amazing nation, isn't it? You too can be a part of it. See, I'm here today to um, help you discover the blessing of obedience. See, I love talking about this nation, this, that, the nation of Suffolandria, because it's about, I use it to teach myself obedience. See, when I, when, when I want to go to another level in myself, I need to teach myself obedience beyond what my body is speaking to me about. See, God wants to open up the heavens the storehouse of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and bless all the work of your lands so he can make you the head and not the tail so that you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. This is what he wants. See, back in the day of the Israelites, young people would be chosen to become priests. And these guys were separated to serve in the temple to teach and to make the sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. And that was only a small percentage of the people that were, that were released or called to be um, priests and were separated in that way. So there was something um, God put on the table of the people of Israel and it was called the Nazarite vow. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. It's in Numbers chapter 6 if you want to turn there. See, through the Nazarite vow, God provided a way for both men and women to specially consecrate themselves to him for a special time or for a purpose. They actually separated themselves for him. It was never to stand judgment on others, but to discipline themselves against the temptations of the day. So I want to pick it up in Numbers chapter 6 and just give you a brief explanation. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, Setting themselves apart to the Lord in a special way, they must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. They must never cut their hair throughout the time of their vow. For they are holy and set apart to the Lord. Until the time of their vow has been fulfilled, they must let their hair grow long. And they must not go near a dead body during the entire period of the vow to the law. This is the ritual law for the Nazarites. And at the conclusion of their time of separation as Nazarites, they must each go to the entrance of the tabernacle and offer offer their sacrifices to the Lord. So there were four things that that the Nazarites had to do. The first thing was they drank no wine or strong drink. The second thing was that they did not cut their hair. And the third thing was they didn't do anything, had nothing to do with dead bodies. And then finally, at the end of their vows period, they would go and sacrifice at the door, at the gate to the temple. Now, why is this important today? Is everyone concerned that I'm going to challenge you not to drink wine today? To not cut your hair, to avoid dead bodies, even though we just um, have that. It's important for us today. Why is it important? See, this is the thing. God used Nazarites to change the direction of the nation of Israel. He used a group of people who set who were set apart, who were set apart differently to a priest. They were set apart for a purpose. See, priests, the priests of the time were about were about whether well, about prayer, they were about bringing the word and the law to the people, they were about bringing the sacrifice to the people. The Nazarites were set apart for a purpose, for an assignment, for a period of time so that they could actually make a change. And this is the challenge that I want to give you today in the area of learning obedience is do you want to set yourself apart for a reason? See, when I grew up, I grew up in the church and I was definitely very conscious of the fact that I was set apart because I was not allowed to do anything that any of my friends were allowed to do growing up. But what I didn't have a revelation of what was the purpose of being set apart. See, God wants us to to learn obedience. He wants us to be a people that, um, that follow His ways and understand His wisdom. But He wants us to understand that it's not for no reason God doesn't ask us to set ourselves apart for no reason. He has a mission for us to do. He has a group of people for us to influence. He has a community for us to speak hope and life into. See, there's times in our lives when a door for change, sometimes massive, sometimes small change, is opening. It may be in your family. It may be in your business. It may be in your community. It may be in your church. See, sometimes a door swings open and it's it's at those times that people with the spirit of the Nazarite rise up and say, I want to set myself apart and make sure that that door swings the right way. See, God has called each of us through different seasons in our lives for periods of time to set ourselves apart, to make ourselves completely wholly obedient to a set of standards that he's called us to do for a purpose and for a time. You notice how there was an end to that vow? At the end of your vow, they would go and sacrifice. They would go and worship before God. So God has called people to do things. It's not about those three things. It's actually about setting yourself apart for a purpose to make a change for the kingdom of God. See, it's in these key moments of change that men and women and children, they risk everything to become the pivotal point to seeing that door swing the right way to seeing that change happen, to seeing people set free. And why do they make a vow? See, the the Nazarite people made a vow. And what that vow does is it transcends them above the place that holds them. See, when we make a vow to separate ourselves, we do so to to transcend what that thing that we've made a vow of, what that power has over us. The question is, what's in front of you? The question is for you is, what do you see in front of you that you want to influence? Is it in, is it in your family's life? Is it in your community's life? Has God put something on your heart? You know, does something break your heart? You know, is there an issue in humanity that breaks your heart that God, that God wants you to actually have a look at? What is in front of you that's going to cause you to make a stand in your own life to separate yourself for that purpose? See, God has called us in different times in our lives to separate ourselves for a purpose. Not for no reason, but for a purpose. And what happens when we, when we separate ourselves, when we make a vow to God about certain things in our lives? We step into the scene. We step into the atmosphere. And we, we become the counterculture to the, to the immorality, to the brokenness, to the, to the unbelief that is there. And we challenge it to the core because we're not influenced by the same things that they're influenced by. How did the Nazarites do it? Well, their lifestyles gave them an anointing. When we choose to separate ourselves for a purpose, God gives you an anointing to to do something. He gives you an anointing that breaks through. They shook people out of their complacency. When I was young and I had the laws put on me by my parents and by my church and by my schools, I rebelled because I saw no purpose. God doesn't want you to follow anything for no reason. He wants you to be a person that follows him for a very clear reason. Because he wants you to carry the spirit of breakthrough. He wants you to step into situations and see breakthrough. He doesn't want you to step into situations and, 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 and just be loved by the people. He wants you to step in and be the person who brings breakthrough to an atmosphere. When, we, when, we, when I speak to Ben and Melinda about going out on the streets and handing out water to people, this is what we say. When they, they create an, an, an area or an atmosphere in their tent that they stand under, and when people come in with this, under the influence of spirits, under the influence of the spirit of alcohol, I say when they step into your space, they're stepping into your atmosphere. And you carry an atmosphere of sober-mindedness. You carry an atmosphere of clear thinking. So where you are is a safe place. So what happens is these guys have made a vow before God that that is a safe place and that they're creating an atmosphere of change. So when people who are drunk step into the atmosphere of street reach, they're stepping up into the atmosphere of a sober-minded place. And then you have um, the most drunk person that they've ever seen speak wisdom like that to them. See, that doesn't happen in a spirit of drunkenness. It happens when they step into the presence of God. And God wants you to set yourself apart so that his spirit can flow through you. And when it flows through you, you have an atmosphere around you. And when you have an atmosphere around you, people begin to break through when they step into your realm. See, we cannot be a catalyst for change when we're caught in the same influence as the place that we're trying to change. The most powerful person in the world is the one which the world has no hold over. I challenge you this week, come up with your Christmas present list. Come up with the one gift that you want for yourself. If someone would buy it for you, come up with that and say, look, everyone pull those funds together and give me this one gift and then take that gift and give it to someone else. Because what we're doing, we're saying... This stuff has no hold over me. I can enjoy it, but I don't want it to have any hold over me. I want to be a person that says influences humanity, and so I don't want humanity to have an influence over me. I don't want to require my sustenance. I don't want to require my, my sense of peace, my sense of wholeness from humanity because I want to influence humanity with the goodness of God. The Nazarites were the hinges of history. If you look at someone like Samson, he was a Nazarite called to deliver Israel from the Philistines. In judges 13:5 it says this: "The Lord spoke. The angel of the Lord spoke to his mother, said, "You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines." See, he was separated for a purpose. The prophet Samuel was a Nazarite. He was separated for a purpose of transitioning Israel into a kingdom. He was called to be that prophet who separated, who transitioned Israel into a kingdom. John the Baptist, he was a Nazarite. He was called to prepare the way of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. These guys were they were life Nazarites. They were separated for a purpose for life. Now, God has called us to be separate, and he's called us to be separate for different things at different times. So the challenge that I put on your table today is that what is God calling you to separate yourself for right now? And what do you need to overcome to get to that point? What vow do you need to make so that you can be free from something so that you can influence a new space? Someone like Daniel took a, a, Nazarite, a type of Nazarite vow for a short period of time so that he could influence the nation of Babylon. See, we prepare ourselves by getting out from under the areas that influence us. What is the one thing in your life? Or like a Nazarite, what are the three things in your life that you need to get separate from so that you can be an influence for the kingdom of God? The appearance of the Nazarites was, was actually a cause for rejoicing for Israel. It was a sign that God hadn't given up on them. You know, when you see someone who's that person who, you know, when you look at someone like a Lukey Brundle, you know, who you know is always doing some crazy separation thing with God, you know, you know when you speak to him that he brings hope to your world because you know that God's at work. You know what I mean? When you hear someone like Raquel get up, you know that when she prophesies, she's not prophesying, that's not just a thing that just pops up on a Sunday. You know that she separated herself. You know that she spent time focusing on, the, on God and on his word and on his truth and seeking, seeking that, that gift so that she can be a blessing. See, people who separate themselves for a purpose bring hope to the rest of the body of Christ. And as you separate yourself for a purpose... You will bring hope to the people in your world. If you separate yourself for no reason, you're just alone and isolated. But when you have a purpose, you become beautiful and you become hope and you become attractive. It says in Lamentations four seven The Nazarites were purer than snow, they glowed with health, their bodies were robust and ruddy, and their beards were like carved stone. I think that means it's good. So your agreement, your vow, your covenant with God, it's an inspiration to those without hope. Your relationship with God is an inspiration to those without hope. Now, here's the thing. We're not Israelites. So when we read this, we're looking for the wisdom in it. We're not looking to come under the law of it. Okay? You know This, this is a book of freedom. See, when we read the book of the law... In the Old Testament, there's wisdom in it, but we're not under the law of it. We're under the law of grace. So when we look at something like this, what does a no- modern Nazarite look like? What does is, what is the vow of Samson look like on us? If you look at the three main challenges, well, three of the main challenges in life today, one of them is probably overindulgence. One of them is probably our self-image. The other one's probably trying to resolve a past that cannot be resolved because it's in the past. Think about it from the you know, think about it from the perspective of, of Samson. You know, God he said, be separate from drinking much wine or drinking wine. There's you know, we live in a culture of overindulgence on the natural, don't we? Whether it's wine, whether it's food, whether it's whether it's fun, whether it's relaxation. You know, where there's an overindulgence. If you look at cutting his hair, you know, we are the most image-focused time of history almost, aren't we? We're so focused on our own image that, that we're, there's, a, there's a constant tweaking of ourselves. You know, I, I confess that I used to spit, spend three hours sitting in a hairdresser's chair to get my hair dyed. Who does that? What man does that? I only know one other man. Who does that? And he's a handsome man, so he was you know, but that's all right. We're always tweaking ourselves, aren't we? We're always tweaked, you know, you know, should I um, you know, should I have my hair this way, should I have it that way, should I wear this collar? Should I have a goatee? Should I go with the full beard? You know, should I, you know, wear this dress or that dress? We're always tweaking ourselves because the enemy has sold us a lie that our image is vital to us. So he gives something like a Nazarite vow. Did you know that if you're a Nazarite and, you, and it says you weren't allowed to cut your hair, you weren't even allowed to comb your hair because when you comb your hair, some of the hair may come out when you comb it. You're actually allowed to kind of put your fingers through your hair, but you weren't actually allowed to comb your hair. See, that's the, that's the serious. So you know that it's festy up there. You know that it's, it's matted. You know, you know that it's not beautiful and brushed. You know, you haven't been using... Um, Pantene or whatever. You know, you weren't allowed to use any chemical treatments. You weren't allowed to do anything. You weren't allowed to put scissors, comb, anything. All you could do at the most was put your fingers through your hair. And if a hair or two fell out there, that was okay. And the other thing is resolving the past. You know, I really think that, you know, the, the concept of not touching a dead body, I think that's really relevant today because we're obsessed with trying to resolve our offences from yesterday And God says, if you're going to make a covenant before me, if you're going to make a Nazarite vow in the modern age, it's to let go of what is behind you so that you can embrace the life that is before you. The Nazarite vow of 2013 is to be set free from indulgence. It's to make decisions. It's to make decisions that says, all right, I am not going to wear makeup for a little while. men. What are you going to do? You know, what is, what is the, what's the image focus that you've got to look at getting past? You know, is it, is, is it something simple like your appearance? Is it something about your self-belief? What is it? You know, is it, what about indulgence? You know, what are your indulgences? Is it, um, you know, Chris, Kristen says that for me triathlon is my, what are those bracelets that the girls wear? Pandora? Is it pan? She said triathlon is man Pandora because there's always another little trinket that you've got to buy to bolt onto your bike or some more lycra, you know. What about the past? You know, do you know what I mean when I use the word litigious? We are the most litigious time of society at all times. We spend more time in court today than we ever have in history trying to resolve the offences of yesterday, God has called us, He says, "Old things have passed away." He said to Samson, "Do not touch the dead body. Leave the offense is the death of yesterday creeping into today." He says, "You cannot resolve yesterday. I already resolved it at the cross, so let the dead bury the dead and get on with the life that God has you for you tomorrow." So here's the question, two questions. What or who are you looking to influence? Is it your family? Is it your community? Is it your region? Is it your boss? Is it a friend? Who is it? Who are you trying to influence? What are you trying to influence? And the other question is, how can you dedicate yourself unto God for a period of time to gain an anointing to be an influence in that space? See, when we were praying for the Philippines, what happens is to access the supernatural, we need to start in the natural. For the waters of the Jordan to be be parted so that they could cross into the promised land, the elders of the nation of Israel had to step into the water before it parted. And how long are you going to do it for? Put a time limit on it. Don't stop doing it forever. Put a time limit on it because what that does is it it gives your agreement with God a purpose for a period of time and then you are actually doing business with God. I'm going to do this Lord for you to influence these people for this amount of time and then at the end of it you can worship Him. See if we put an end period of time we give ourselves permission to glorify God either way don't we? Whatever happens. And there's a warning that comes with it. In Amos chapter 2, 11 and 12, it says this, I choose some of your sons to be prophets and others to be Nazarites, says the Lord. And this is the challenge. This is what he said to the people of Israel. He says, but you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets not to prophesy. See, as we read God's word, it becomes very clear that it's not a one-size-fits-all mentality when it comes to the kingdom of God. So he does this, he, calls, he, says to, he says to Samson, I want you to take a vow against all these things. And then he says to Esther, I want you to become the most beautiful woman on the planet. And then he says to David, I want you to set up um, a 24-7 worship center in the Old Testament time. You know what I mean? He does different things for different people at different times. So when he challenges us, he says this, he says, but you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets not to prophesy See, God says you may not be a prophet, you may not be in a, an avow right at this time, but if someone is, if someone is prophesying, if someone is making a, a time of separation, I challenge you to encourage that person. I challenge you not to try and woo them into your world. Who, who knows? You know, We know the, the, the drinking culture in Australia. If you're having a drink, you know, the, what you want is everyone around you to be having one because it makes you feel like you're part of something. But sometimes God's called us to be separate for a purpose. So if you see someone who's being separate for a purpose, the challenge is make sure that you're encouraging them in that purpose. Make sure that if someone is prophesying, you're encouraging them in their prophetic journey. You know, I had a word in the, in the, um, in the prayer meeting before church that he's going to give us a new edge. He wants us to have a prophetic edge. He wants us to have an evangelistic edge. He wants us to have an apostolic edge, a pastoral edge. He wants us to be people who, 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 he wants us to have an edge of truth so that wherever we go in the natural, there's an edge that's cutting into the supernatural. When you're you're speaking to someone in life, God wants you to know that when you step out in the natural, you've got an edge that's cutting through and allowing him to do something in the supernatural in their life. See, the supernatural may just be encouragement. The supernatural may be healing. The supernatural may be a word of hope of eternity into someone's life. We don't know what it is, but the call of God is for us to step out in the natural. And the warning is when you see someone else separating themselves for a purpose, is don't be the person who who gives them a hard time. Be the person who encourages them in that. Why doesn't the band jump up? Why don't you stand with me today? I want to just read Deuteronomy 28 again with you. Because there's a blessing, there's some there's some blessing and favor that God wants to put to put before us. And there's a challenge of obedience that He wants us to be encouraged in as well. Because it's a gift. It's a gift. When you obey, you give God the privilege of blessing your life. So why don't you shut your eyes with me right now as I read this. If you listen obediently to the voice of God, your God, and heartily obey all his commandments that I command you today, God, your God, will place you on high, high above all the nations of the world. All these blessings will come down on you and spread out beyond you because you have responded to the voice of God, your God. God's blessing inside the city. God's blessing in the country. God's blessing on your children, the crops of your land, the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, the lamb of your flocks. God's blessing on the basket and bread bowl. God's blessing in your coming in. God's blessing in your going out. God will defeat your enemies who attack you. They'll come at you on one road and run away on seven roads. God will order a blessing on your barns and workplaces. He'll bless you in the land that God, your God, has given you. God will form you as a people holy to him, just as he promised you. If you keep the commandments of God, your God, and live the way that he has shown you, all the peoples on the earth will see you living under the name of God and hold you in respectful awe. And God will lavish you with good things. Children from your womb, offspring from your animals and crops from your land. The land that God promised your ancestors that he would give you. God will throw open the doors of the sky vaults and pour rain on your land on schedule and bless the work you take in your hand. You will lend to many nations, but you yourself won't have to take out alone. God will make you the head, not the tail. You will always be the top, never the bottom, as you obediently listen to and diligently keep the commands of God, your God, that I am commanding you today. Do not swerve an inch to the right or the left from the words that I command you today, says the Lord. Father, we just lift up your mighty name. We thank you that you've called us to be a people who are set apart for a purpose. And we receive the challenge today, Father. We receive the challenge to separate ourselves for your cause, Father. We understand that everything that you have called us to do has a purpose and has a reason and has a hope and has an opportunity for your deliverance, Father. So we today accept the challenge to step out into the natural, Father, so allow the supernatural to speak and to love into the lives of those around us, Father. We thank you father that you have a call on each of our lives and we understand that our assignment is not about us father so we open our hearts to receive the assignment of heaven to be a blessing to those in this community so we thank you and we praise you in jesus mighty name you know we're going to sing right now but before we do i just want to give you the opportunity If you don't know Christ as your saviour, I want to give you the opportunity right now to change that in your life. See, God sent his son to die on the cross for your and my sins. See, he created you for a purpose. And the first part of tapping into that purpose is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, well, today's your lucky day because you're with friends and family and people who have... And we want to stand with you. And we want to encourage you. And we want to lift you up. And we want to invite you into a relationship with him. Because he loves you. He loves you so much that if you were the only person on this planet, he would have sent his son to die on the cross for your sins alone. So if every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just give you that opportunity today. If you want to meet Jesus Christ as your saviour, why don't you just raise your hand right now? If you want Jesus as your Lord, as your Saviour, why don't you raise your hand right now? Then I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. Father, we just glorify your name. We lift you up. We thank you that the name of Jesus is above all other names. And we declare the name of Jesus before everywhere we go. And we declare that there is an atmosphere around us. An atmosphere of sober mindedness. An atmosphere that the only image that is of any value is the image of God. And we declare that our past is behind us, Lord. And we declare that we will no longer touch the offenses of yesterday. We want to embrace the opportunities and the life of tomorrow, Lord. So we thank you, Father. We lift your name and we worship you. Amen. Well, we pray you've been blessed by this message from Nusa Christian Outreach Church. For more information, please check out our website at www.noosacoc.org.au. See you soon.